Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast. I'm Simon Chaskowski here with Caleb Peterson and shortly we will be breaking down all of the sports related news, rumors and drama that you will want to hear about. This week we will be reacting and giving our takes on ESPN's latest quarterback rankings as well as some more of this offseason's spiciest rumors in both the NHL and the NBA before finally taking a pit stop in Los Angeles of Anaheim where we will be taking a peek at where Shohei Otani could be heading at the MLB trade deadline. Caleb. Are you ready to get into it? Absolutely. So, one thing that I really wanted to start this week with was ESPN dropping, well, they dropped their top 10 quarterback list. I got a quick scan through it. I made sure Caleb Hat didn't see it before because I want to see his reaction live to it. And I know Caleb's excited for that too. I also asked Caleb to write down his top 10, his own top 10 list so that we can compare because I know that'll definitely make it interesting. This is voted, I believe they said that they got votes on this entire thing from executives, coaches, scouts. They just had everybody they could find who had a big name out there rank their top 10 quarterbacks. I'm very excited for this. Caleb, you, you ready to get going? Oh, I'm so ready. I'm so ready. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I thought you'd be excited for this one. Well, let's start at the bottom. I know, I know, I don't, how many honorable mentions did he put? Because I know you said I put, one. I put matter. two. I put two honorable you mentions. Two. Just because I feel, okay. I, I think my last couple in the top ten are a little controversial, and I feel bad about leaving these two guys off the list. And it was, like, okay. really close. Okay, I'll, do you want me to read out the honorable mentions ESPN has first, or do you want to go first? Uh, I'll go first. I'll go first, just so that I okay. can get mad about it later. Um, my honorable mentions, who I'm sure, I'm, like, pretty sure these guys... Oh, you know what? Actually, actually, I just thought about it a bit more. Can I go first? Yeah, sure, sure. Solely, solely because I don't want to have to tell you whether or not you're wrong. Okay. I want, I want to keep that a surprise. So I'll go first with the honorable mentions. The honorable, honorable mentions we have is Deshaun Watson, who we will not speak on, because fuck him. Um, Kirk Cousins for the Vikings. Okay, okay. Jared Goff for the Lions. Derek Carr for the Saints, oh. although obviously not the Saints anymore. Wait, no, he is on the Saints now. Why was it? I don't know. Yeah, he's on the Saints, yep. Tua for the Dolphins, which okay. I thought was a controversial one. No, I think not, I, that's not I might have him in my top ten. That's oh. not controversial? Oh, you think he should be high? I think I might have him in my top ten. I'm not. Yep. I, I No. No? Okay. Well, do you want me to tell you who also received votes, or do you want to leave that for now? Ah. Uh. No, I think that I think that's an interesting group of, of quarterbacks already. I will tell you that none of the people that you just listed as an honorable <laughs> mention were in my honorable mentions or okay. let's, or, let's or even let's or even on my list. Um, okay. I think I think Kirk Cousins is like fine. Like if I had to add another honorable mention, that's fair. Um, I just don't okay. think I just don't think of him as a top ten QB. Like I know um, another. Um, NFL podcast that I used to listen a lot to the around the NFL podcast had a term called the Dalton line um, where it's like the Dalton <laughs> line is your perfectly average starting QB so if you are better than Andy Dalton then you're an above average starting QB <laughs> if you're worse than Andy Dalton you're a below average starting QB I like that and I that's think a good that's a good system it is a good system and I think the Dalton line is now the Cousins line like that's what I think like yeah. I like I okay. don't think I don't think he's awesome. I don't think he's So um, you would put Cousins fifteen? Is that what you're telling me? Like, I wouldn't put him straight down. The I wouldn't put him fifteen, but I'd be in like the, the twelve to fifteen range. Okay. The twelve okay. to fifteen. Well let's hear your honorable mentions, because we're 
We don't need another 40 minute segment. It's going to be a 40 minute segment no matter what. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so, I'm also really, side note, I'm really hoping that the video, that I have enough storage to record that much video. But, anyways. Um, <laughs> My honorable mention. Don't scare me like that. Don't yeah, say I'll, that. I'll, don't worry. I'll, 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 we'll figure it out. Um, okay, my we'll honorable. Okay, let's go. Okay, before I get into my honorable mentions, um, I just want to like, like Kirk Cousins is fine. Derek Carr is an honorable mention. Is a bit rough. Um, don't really see that. Jared Goff. Anybody <laughs> who continues to think of Jared Goff as a good quarterback is just completely wrong. I can. I could. I'm not going to go into my full Jared Goff hate speech, but I just think he is like a complete, like the definition of a system quarterback. And just because he's on the Lions, which is a team that everybody loves, rightfully so. I love the Lions too. Um, but just because he's on the Lions, he gets like so much hype. Um, and it was the same thing with the Rams. Oh my God! Like the Rams are so good; they're going to the Super Bowl. Jared Goff's a good quarterback. No, he's not. He's awful. He's awful. I feel um, like giving you the opportunity to rant on every quarterback in the NFL is going to be a mistake. But okay, go on. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I'll, I will. I'm sure I'll get to talk about Jared Goff at some other point on the podcast. So I'll save my like big okay. Jared Goff rant yeah, for definitely. Them. But okay. yeah, I just think I just think it's a little bit um, disrespectful to the other quarterbacks in the league to put Jared Goff even in the conversation. Like anytime I see okay. anybody say that Jared Goff is better than Geno Smith, I like die a little bit inside. Um, he's a system quarterback who can make some good short throws, but he's never going to do anything special for you. And okay. I think I think a top ten list has to be about guys who can do something special for your football team, someone who will elevate your team and win the game because they are there, not um, in spite of them. Okay, I'll get to my honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, my two are um, Kyler Murray from the Cardinals. Um, I think Kyler is a really good quarterback. I just think like he hasn't shown like like it yet like he hasn't he he doesn't have like a defining moment in his career like i can't think of a moment when it's like oh kyler murray is a star because of this player because he's done this he's just like i mean the the hail mary throw to hopkins was pretty nuts but that's more that's that's more that's more on hopkins than than kyler um and it's just like I, I also don't love. It's also a Cliff Kingsbury thing with the whole Cardinals being really good at the start sure, of the season yeah. and then um, yeah. being like garbage at the end. But I do think that's a little bit on Kyler too. Like I, I do think, um, I do think Kyler. He's has, just he's not consistent enough. I think he, that's the word you're looking for. Yeah, he's not consistent enough. Um, he's not consistent enough, and I just don't think. Uh, I do think because he's still young. Like he he's not. Yeah. It's it's only he's, been, got he's only been in the league like three four years. Um, he's a guy who can make it into this top ten in like it like if he if the Cardinals play way above expectations this year like even even if like the Cardinals are a six win team but Kyler like drags them to some of those wins like I'll put him on my top ten like I wouldn't I wouldn't be ashamed of that yeah um, I think he's got all of the talent in the world we just haven't seen enough of it yet because he's one of those guys when you watch him where he can be so electric. And you think, when I watch a guy, like the highlights for Kyler Murray, I'm looking at a guy and I just, I think he has to be a top five quarterback. But he's just not. He just doesn't do that enough. He can make the type of throws that you see a guy like Patrick Mahomes making, but he just doesn't do it enough. Like he doesn't show that talent consistently enough to really take over the league in the way that I think we all kind of thought he would. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I know that's kind of what you're saying too. But I personally, I think we just need to see more from him. I feel like there could be a ton of answers to how we see that. Maybe a new system, maybe a new whatever. We'll have to see what we see from him this year. 
Who knows, though? I, I definitely agree with you. I feel like if he can win them a couple more games just himself and just kind of show out a bit more, I have no issue putting sliding him in my top ten. Yeah, and I think um, I think uh, the comparison I'd give for Kyler Murray right now is first-year Lamar Jackson. Um, and yeah. the, the reason yeah. I'd say that is because Lamar, has, Lamar in his first year had all of these tools, like all of these awesome abilities, and was still a pretty good thrower of the football. But it was just that second year, that like MVP season, where he really put it all together and was like excellent throwing the football and was like excellent running. I mean, obviously as he always is, but he like he just showed another yeah. side of himself. That's what I need from Kyler to get him onto this list. Um, but to like no, move for on, sure. I I can now I'll I'll reveal it to you now. Kyler is one of the quarterbacks who also received votes but didn't make the top ten or even an honorable mention. That's disrespectful to me. That's disrespectful yeah. to Kyler. To put Jared Goff above Kyler Murray is uh, disrespectful. I think I think that's where people. I think that's where people overvalue the team they're on versus the um, player. Like you have to you have to separate the team success from the player success, which is something I believe in a lot, as you will see from this list. That I have at least. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll get into my other honorable mention. I ordered these weird. I should have put Kyler would be like if if my list extended to eleven, Kyler would be eleven. This guy would be twelve. I'd put Dak Prescott at twelve. Um, like he, he is a really good quarterback. I just think, uh, I just think that, um, Prescott is, he, he's like a, he's like a premium cousins line. Like he's really good, but I, I like, I don't think I've seen him take quite that next step to elevate a team, um, to above what they, um, need to be to like, I like, like I haven't seen that really defining moment from him, and, but it, it has been there is a longevity to it and it has been consistently he has been consistently good for the Cowboys for a long time to where I'd feel confident placing him in that like above average tier of quarterbacks like I think he's better than Kirk Cousins it's it's by a little bit but I I think he is I think that's um where I kind of stand on Dak Prescott it's nothing it's nothing amazing like he doesn't have the same um game-breaking ability that Kyler Murray does but he is consistently above average consistently good and I think that deserves some recognition. Okay, so you you would put Dak below or above Kyler? I'd put him below Kyler. About I'd put him below Kyler. You'd put him below? Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, I I think that's a good chance to start hopping into the top ten list, if you're down to do that. Yep. I can tell you right now, since you already just gave your opinion on Dak. Oh, wait, fuck. I didn't swear. Never mind. Matthew Stafford, number ten. <laughs> Oh my god, okay, wow. Matthew Stafford, number 10. That is rough. Oh wow, this is, a, is te- this is a terrible list. Okay, Matthew Stafford, after this year? After this year, do people realize that, like, Matthew Stafford is, like, I know he was hurt. Can I, and I, and before I think, you go on your rant, can I go, before you go on his, your rant, can I yeah. just quickly read a quick quote? Yeah. A lead personal man. That's all they said. Person, a lead personnel man. That's okay. the that's the person giving okay. this quote. Okay. Okay. Arm okay. looks good as it ever has. Mobility not quite once what it once was, but when he was healthy, he still played at a really high level, and his arm talent is as good as there is in the league. And no. you know they also made sure to note that he still completed sixty eight percent of his passes, fourth best in the NFL. Okay. Am I saying Matthew Stafford is a bad quarterback? No, not at all. Like, I like that Super Bowl season. If you said top ten, I'd be like, 
eh, I, I don't see it, but I'm not going to get mad. It's just after this season, yes, he was injured. Um, so, like, the Rams' failure was not entirely on, on him. As well. Yeah, a lot of injuries on the Rams as well. <coughs> but, like, it just wasn't, like, he still had Cooper Cup. He still had um, a lot of the pieces. And it's just, So like, where would you, where would you put Matthew Stafford? Um, not, I wouldn't even give him, like, like, I'd put him below, I'd put him below Dak and Kyler, I'd put him below Kirk Cousins, I'd yeah. put him below, um, Tua, oh, I'd wow. put him below, like, I, like, I, I, I don't know, I just don't see, there's a difference between Lions Matthew Stafford and Rams Matthew Stafford to me. Lions Matthew Stafford is an underrated guy. I don't think that's I, a controversial opinion either. Yeah, no, I don't think it is either. Lions Matthew Stafford is a guy who's underrated, probably should be top 10, but maybe not thought of in that way. Rams Matthew Stafford um, is a guy who is kind of... I it's kind of like swapped. He's riding out the end of his career, and like he's still playing at an awesome level. Like If you see that throw from the Super Bowl that he made where he would, like, pulled some Mahomes garbage yeah. with that no-look throw, like that's awesome. Like He is a great player. I always look back to the um, play that he made in Detroit where he tore like his shoulder, and then... Um, but his like they were one yard away from scoring, and he just threw yeah. the ball with a torn shoulder. Anyways, that's insane. Um, he's just not at that level anymore, um, where he's at continually no. elevating well, his team. And I mean, he's thirty-five, right? Like exactly. I don't exactly. think anyone expects him to. And he doesn't need to be that for the Rams. He just needs to be a like he just needs to be a good game manager, and you will get that out of you will get that out of Stafford. No questions. Yeah, like but, he is very much good enough to still lead a team into the playoffs with the right guys around him. Whether the Rams still have that, we'll see. But other than that, we can move on. I kind of spoiled okay. it. Number nine, oh, Dak wait, Prescott. Wait. Okay, okay, wait. Let me let me just let me just say something about Matthew Stafford before we move okay. on. I think like you said something that I think fits this perfectly and I'm just I think I need to say it because I think it frames the rest of this conversation. Um he's like he's a good game manager that can get you to the playoffs. That is not a top ten quarterback to me. A top ten quarterback does more than game manage. A top ten quarterback takes a non- can take a non playoff team and elevate them into the playoffs. And like, exactly, I definitely agree with you. Exactly I definitely agree saying. with you. I don't think I'd have Matt Stafford on my top ten either. Just knowing who's on the outside, like because while I think I'm probably higher on Stafford than you are based on what you said, I still probably would put him a, below a lot of people that they have on the honorable mentions. Yeah. So I don't disagree with you. Yeah, you already spoke on Dak Prescott and yours. What do you think about him being around nine? Do you have any issue with that? Um, I'm not gonna be mad about it. I just think it's a little high. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's, it's not. It's not upsetting to me, but it's like, eh. Um, do you want to get into? My, I, do you want to get into my nine and ten, or should we finish the ESPN list first? If you want to give your nine, go ahead. Oh, nine. Yeah, you haven't said your nine and ten. Yeah. For sure. Okay, do you want to hear my... My 10 is going to be, I think, the most controversial pick. And I'm ready to hear your reaction to this. Okay. I don't even... Can I, have a, can I do a guess? Yes, you can, can have a guess. a guess. You're saying controversial. Yeah. I'm going to guess either Justin Fields or Daniel Jones. You got it right on the money. Justin Fields. Yeah. Not surprising to you? No, I don't have issue with that. Yeah. I think... For me, it's kind of what I was saying before to where I don't, like, you have to separate team success from player success. Justin Fields carried the Bears. The Bears were terrible, but Justin Fields kept them in every single game, and he had nothing around him. Darnell Mooney was his number one receiver. 
Darnell Mooney, love him. He's not a number one receiver. Offensive line, terrible. He's running for his life they're, every single game. They are definitely going to be one of the more interesting teams next year. Because obviously, I, they brought in DJ, DJ oh, Moore, right? Yeah. yeah. That's going to be such an inter- That's such an interesting move for me. Because you're giving a really good quarter, uh, quarterback, like you mentioned, a really good receiver for the first time in his career. I am really excited to see what he can do with that. I, I have no issue with him in number 10. Who's your, who's your number 9? Uh, I'll get you to guess this one, too. <laughs> Was I right? Daniel Jones? Or no, no, I don't think that highly of no. Daniel Jones. Fair. Come on, come on. This is a, this is a, this is a gimme. This is a gimme? This is a gimme. Oh, Geno Smith. <laughs> it is Geno Smith. And I, yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't think, I, am I a homer? Yes. Am I that much of a, am I that much of a homer for putting Geno at nine? I don't think so. I you think the only reason in my because I'm biased as well and I know it. The only reason I don't disagree with it, I I feel Justin Fields is above Geno for me. Okay. I, if I was making my own list without any bias, I think I'd have a really hard time squeezing Geno into the top ten, honestly. Because I really like your pick of um I really like your pick of putting Justin Fields up there. I think Justin Fields could really be like nine me like on most things and then like you get to 10 and in my head i'm thinking dak prescott that's like the perfect number 10 quarterback you know what i mean mm-hmm. he is like the ideal number 10 for me okay i feel like gino is like 11 okay like a close 11 i can i can see that do you want to hear like my my uh justification for putting gino ahead of dak because i do think they're similar styles i do think people can come after me and be like oh but gino like you said the same thing like you want a quarterback to elevate their team, um, and you're thinking of flashy players like Kyler or Justin Fields, and Geno isn't that. Like, Geno is not that. And I'll, no. full, I'll fully admit that. But I do think that Geno does elevate his team, because I think you have to look at what this Seahawks team was expected to do. Geno wasn't, Gino wasn't given the benefit of the doubt at all. And does, did he have two great receivers in Lockett and Metcalf? Yes. But he was also given... Um, he wasn't given a perfect roster. Like Gino, still had to make the most. He also of what he had. really he had everything against him that year. I, I we shouldn't mm-hmm. get into this too much. We've gone. We could go on this rant a thousand times, and we probably will. Yeah, but, but like Gino had, there was no expectation for him to be good. And I think there was there there was people, including me, thinking that we should go with Drew Locke. Isn't yeah. that wild? Yeah, and I think I I do think. Um, like to separate the how much he exceeded expectations versus just where he stands as a quarterback in the NFL, I do think that you just have to compare it to Russell Wilson's last season in Seattle. Russell Wilson's last season in Seattle, the Seahawks had um, probably a better other than their rookies. Like the Seahawks rookies, like draft class, awesome. Tariq Woolen, their rookie tackles, awesome. Um, that obviously helped Geno a bit, but I think that overall roster because um, they still had a lot of like key player. Like they still had Bobby Wagner. They still had. Um, a lot of key players on the defense. They had Jamal Adams the entire season. Like that, that entire Seahawks roster as a whole um, was probably comparable or better than the roster that Geno had. And when Russ was here, it was a, like a five-six win team. And when Geno was here, it was a nine. I, I, I'm a bad fan. I'm pretty sure we won nine games last year. Um, like You're a nine, more than me. <laughs> nine, ten, nine, ten win team. Um, and yeah. I just think there, there's just something. Gino doesn't have the it moments in terms of, like, a flash play like Kyler or 
Um, even Russ in his prime would where he's scrambling around the pocket. That's not Gino, but what Gino has is plays like he made in the Saints game to Tyler Lockett, where he is fitting the ball into a literal like pocket. Um, go yeah. back, go back and watch. Um, I, don't I think last year Gino was the model of consistency for this. He year. was. He was. Like and, he was. He was never gonna be your Patrick Mahomes or your Josh Allen or what have you. But he was able to perfectly fit the, what the Seahawks needed with the roster around them. They, we didn't need a Patrick Mahomes last year. What we needed was a guy who could get the ball to your playmakers and make and get them to like the highest of their. T- or sorry, I'm wearing this poorly, but just max out their talent. You know what I mean? And Gino was that. Gino did have the ability to get the ball to guys like Tyler Lockett, guys like DK Metcalf, and just let them go nuts with it. Right, and that's why they, we were so good last year. Do I think Geno could still do that with a team with less talent? You would have a harder time convincing me. But I still think he was a great quarterback last year. I think Geno, like I said, I have no issue with him putting in the top ten. I think he's just falling short out of it, just because of how much QB talent that's in the NFL right now. Okay, I just don't know. Like, for me, there's a difference between. Gino still... I, I've also watched a lot more Gino than I've watched of Dak. Like, I watch a lot of NFL, but I have watched more Gino, obviously, because I'm a Seahawks fan. But Gino still has those it moments. You say he he's not a Mahomes or Allen, obviously. But he still has Mahomes and Allen-type throws. It feels that, like you're slowly talking yourself, like, him into, like, higher and higher. <laughs> oh, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I just feel like I have to give a justification for it. But go back and watch the throw that he makes to Tyler Lockett in the Saints game for a touchdown. It is literally the most perfect pass I have seen in an NFL game, and I don't think that's hyperbole. You cannot fit a pass better than he did, and that, like, for me, it's like he's made throws like that too. I went to a game in Seattle, the one against the Rams, and the Seahawks were not playing well that game, but the reason they won that game and got into the playoffs um, one of one of many, but was the Geno throw again to lock it in the end zone. It's just a perfect deep ball. And I think the fact that we go from Russell Wilson, who has one of the best deep balls, um, I'm not biased, in NFL history, and then you go to Geno and you don't see that much of a drop-up. In fact, some of the throws even exceed that. I think that's why I can confidently say Geno is at the bottom, like bottom end of my top 10. Because yep. I, I still see that. I still see that level of play in him. Um, and the fact that it wasn't that much of a drop-off from Russ, who I think was, in his time in Seattle, at least in his peak, a top two or three quarterback in the NFL, um, I think that says a lot. Okay. I think we do need to move on. Yes. I think that we should do another segment later on and just talk about Geno, because I, I do have more que- a question I do want to ask you, but I also think it's really... We need to move on. <laughs> we have a long list ahead of us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll give you number eight. And number seven, and you can give me your eight and number seven. Okay. We can kind of, we can compare. Okay. Number eight for the ESPN is Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Number seven is Lamar Jackson. Okay. What did you have? Okay. So that's not that far off of what I have. My number eight okay. is Aaron Rodgers. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That, I, that's I, wild. I guess that's controversial. Um, that is controversial. I can tell you right now that I definitely, I don't, I don't agree with that. Okay, I have my own opinion on Aaron Rodgers. I think he, I, I think he's overrated at this point in his career. I don't think he can, um, like he or Aaron Rodgers is an all-time great quarterback, but like, 
I don't know. He's going to have a few good seasons on the Jets, but I just see him falling off a cliff. Okay. I, um, but, well, we can but, talk more about Aaron Rodgers later on, I can yeah. tell you that. Okay. But, my, my number seven, um, funnily enough, is the person ESPN had at eight, Trevor Lawrence. Um, that's not that far yeah, okay. off. I, I don't at all disagree with Trevor Lawrence at eight. That's fair to me. Um, no. He's one of those guys who's like, in my head, I think like mm, seven, eight. You know what I mean? Like he's just above the Dak, the, you know, premier top tens of the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so exciting about Trevor Lawrence is that you see this in his second year as quarterback where he's, um, at, like, again, it's the elevating a team. Like the Jags, the Jaguars were elevated by Trevor Lawrence and especially in the second half of the year. He played excellent at quarterback and started to live up to the like insane hype that he's been getting. And the fact that he can even like achieve a portion of that at this point in his career is crazy to me. And I think it's definitely worthy of a top ten slot. And obviously he's not no. he's not in the upper echelon yet. Um he's not um he's not changing the sport like a lot of these other quarterbacks are. Um but he is at the spot where um he I feel like he's going to be in this range from anywhere from like I think three to seven for the next 10 15 years of his career I think that's where I see Trevor Lawrence yep and I have no issue with that I I we can talk about Lamar Jackson in a second because as a wild prediction I feel like you're you probably have him at six or five am I right uh I'm not gonna confirm right I won't confirm nor deny okay well do you want to talk about him now, or do you want to wait? I want to wait. I want to wait. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, I'll give you the five and six, then. Okay. I don't feel like these are very controversial. I think these are... I actually think I agree with these. Okay, that's here. Number six, Jalen Hurts. Yep. Yep, that's, exact, yeah. that's exactly where I have him. I have him at six as well. Okay. Number five, this one... This guy, I, I think I'm higher up on him just because I feel like with a bit more talent around him, he could definitely exceed I, this. But I think ESPN no. is lining up with me here. Is this Justin Herbert? It is Justin Herbert, yeah. Me and ESPN have the exact same rankings here. I agree completely. Yeah. Okay. That's that's like well, I'll, I'll I'll talk like for a second about that. Like I I think I, I'm I'm very I'm proud of ESPN here for not overrating Hertz after his Super Bowl performance. Like Hertz had an all-time Super Bowl performance. Awesome. Great yeah. game. Um, but it's still one game. And I think we just need to see a little bit more um, to place him in that top five conversation. Um, I think he has, like, I saw something, there was an Eagles player saying, like, Jalen Hurts, I think, is the second best quarterback in the league behind Mahomes. And it's like, that's insane. Um, he's not at that level yet. What he showed is the potential to reach that level in his um, going into, like, I believe he's going into his third, fourth years. Like, like yeah. he's got the potential. I just don't quite see it all yet. Like, I need to see more. Um, Here, I'll I'll read something that uh, an NFL personnel director. They're getting really specific in their quotes here, but okay. they quote they they said, and I quote, "Not really flappable, similar to Burroughs in that sense. He remains calm. He can do all the things you need from the pocket. I don't see why he can't be a precision pa- passer. Look at all the games where he had to dial it up in the pocket. He has that in his game." And I think that's kind of similar to what you're saying. Like, in the big game, he showed up. He showed up, and he showed that he can be that guy. We'll just have to see if he can really, really up his game for the, all of Latin next year and maybe move into that top five. Yeah, exactly. Like, I like I completely agree with all of that. I think, um, I don't know, like, the, the unflappable nature compared to Burrow. Like, Burrow has that in spades, and I, 
I can see a little bit of that in Hertz, but it's the same thing. It's just such a small sample size to where he's really only started a year. Um, and okay. like, you can make that same argument where it's like fields, I guess, like he's only really started a year or two too, but, um, there's a difference between the top five ish range and like the bottom of the list. Um, but I think Hertz, yeah. Hertz is showing up to get can to. Can I just say, can I just say, mm-hmm. I'm really excited for your opinion on this next couple things. Okay, I think this is where, I think this is I can where, already, the fact that you haven't said Lamar Jackson yet is already getting me excited for what you're going to have here. I think it's going to be very different to what ESPN is. I think, I think, so, um, I think I can predict what, uh, I think the top three of my list will be relatively the same, and I think it's, it's, it's okay. wherever Aaron Rodgers slots. Who do you think, who do you think's four? I think Aaron Rodgers is four. You are right. Okay. That's what I thought. That's just. Do you want to? I t- do you want to? I. Okay. How about we t- we can talk about Aaron Rodgers. You can give me your fourth. I think I know who your fourth is. <laughs> my, my fourth is Lamar Jackson. My fourth is Lamar Jackson. Yeah. We can we can talk about that and then I'll reveal the top three because I think at least for me I don't know if I'm crazy for thinking that one of these is kind of controversial. We'll have to see what you think on it. Maybe okay. I'm wrong, but there's something in here that's kind of shocking me. So we'll get to that. But okay. first. Number four, Aaron Rodgers. You have Lamar. Why do you have Lamar? I have Lamar because Lamar is a, again, I, I keep using this, but he's a special player that elevates his team. And I, I, I don't know. Aaron Rodgers is just so much more. Like, if we're, if we're we'll just make this a comparison, Lamar and Rodgers. Actually, I, w- I did mention this. When we get to A-Rod, I did want to read you out a quote. Can I read out this quote? Okay, okay. Let's hear the right. quote. This is a quote from an AFC scout, and I think this is super interesting to me because I think I'm curious what you're going to think on this. Considering where did you put Arod again? Seven or eight? Eight, right? Eight. Now that I know that, I feel like you might agree with this more. But um, this is what an AFC scout said. I think everyone is afraid to say he declined a little. He's still a great thrower and sees it really well, but he's more like ranked eight to twelve for me. Yes. Yes, like exactly. That is ex- like that yeah. puts it better. That puts when I read that. Rogers, when I read, that's like perfect. when I read that. I think that is an insanely controversial opinion. I think it's a controversial opinion because Aaron Rodgers has been held in the same like level as God for these years. Like, I, I, I well, he I, did win back to back MVPs. I, um, somewhat undeserved. I, I really don't... Um... <laughs> okay, we don't need to go down this road. <laughs> okay, so I... Overall, I, I do Caleb have... does not agree. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> okay, like I... You're I... at 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I like... I don't know. For for Aaron Rodgers, I'm thinking... Um, it's tough. I do... I'm trying to keep my personal opinion out of it because I really do not like Aaron Rodgers as a person. I think can I? An, I think he's an asshole. I'm trying to keep that okay. out of it. Um, I think yeah. Aaron Rodgers has just been held at this level for so long because he was put on the same level as Tom Brady, right? Like, they were always compared. Tom Brady has more playoff success, but it, there was always the thing. It's like Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback in history, whereas Tom Brady is the, the best quarterback in history. Like, I've heard that a bunch. And I just think that... We're we're not like I, that. AFC scout said it perfectly. There's been there yeah. was a decline. The pack there's a like again, um, like we can say like again. I, I like I I completely agree. You separate team success from the equation, but it, the Packers miss the playoffs 
And, like, that's just unheard of in Aaron Rodgers' career, no matter what roster he has around him. You can say he has, didn't have receivers. He's never had receivers. Um, we're, we're looking at the same. True. Um, like, I, I still think he's a great quarterback. There's a reason I have him at eight. He's still a great quarterback. I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. I think it'll be very interesting to see what he can do with the roster of the Jets. He could blow up the league and prove me wrong. Like, he's Aaron, can he's I, Aaron, he's Aaron freaking Rodgers. It could happen. Yeah. I actually feel like I'd probably slide him right in the middle. Because I actually don't, I don't disagree with a lot ESPN has. Like, other than maybe the top three, I feel like there's one change I'd make. But I feel like I'd slide him behind Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. But on this list, I don't think I'm as high as on Lamar. I feel like he has a bit to prove this year. He'll have a bit more help to do it, but I feel like seven for Lamar is fair. And I'd probably put A-Rod above Lamar. That's my list, though. That's just my personal opinion. I don't know. There's just something... there's Other than that, I don't disagree with what you're saying. There's something I, I feel like he did fall off, but he's still, still, he's still a rod. <laughs> he's still, uh, he's still a rod, but he's not quite the same. Whereas Lamar, like Lamar, is tough to judge this year because of injury, but Lamar still has like he is like he is a special quarterback. He has something that no other quarterback has. When you look at Lamar, you have to game plan for him. Like, I just remembered, like, the Seahawks-Ravens game a few years back. The reason that the Ravens won that game was entirely Lamar. Um, And he does that time and time and time again. And that's where you see this Ravens team just fall apart without him. They are true. They are yeah. not good without him. They are awful. Can I can I also say I feel like I can relate to that as someone who played Madden twenty back when the sp- back when the running was stupid and everybody was stupid quick. Everybody in online would just take Lamar Jackson and just run you into the dirt. Yeah, because he was a one man team. And he's a yeah, he's like a cheat code. He's a cheat code. He's a cheat code. Yeah, he's literally a Madden <laughs> Madden like just create it o- create your own player break the league. Are yeah. you are you ready for the top three? Uh, yeah, I think I think I am. I, I'll 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 are? say I'll okay. say just one last thing about the Lamar versus Rogers debate, um, because I think that's the one. Like honestly, I don't see that much issue with this ESPN unless like nine and ten. Like they they can have their that middle range of quarterbacks is so hard to rank. I'll I'll have my own issues with it, but that's um, not it, that's not what the focus of it is. It's more on the top ten, and I can agree with a lot of them. Like I have a lot of quarterbacks in the same slots. It's Lamar versus Rogers that I think is the biggest difference between the two lists. Yeah, and, and I'm just I'm to be fair, like you are supposed to look at where these quarterbacks are now, but like I can just like if we're going into this season, I do not see if both quarterbacks are fully healthy. I do not see a season where Aaron Rodgers outperforms Lamar Jackson. It is just it does wouldn't make any sense to me. It wouldn't make any sense to me if that happened. I, okay. It's possible. I just you ready? I don't see it happening. Yeah, you ready? Yep. Okay, number three. Patrick Mahomes. Wow. I'm kidding. Wow. It's not. It's okay. Josh Allen. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. So that, that's I was kind of hoping you'd say really, but it's okay. <laughs> that's, 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 yeah, okay. I, you had me for a second there. Um, yeah, that Josh Allen. What do you think about Josh Allen at number three, though? Ah, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not mad about that. Yeah? I, I was, okay. I, I have Josh Allen at two, and I think you can guess what the rest of my list is from there. Um, yeah. But, like I, I'm not, I'm not upset about that. I think Burrow, so. I think Burrow is insane. You know like, what? I'll, I'll tell you. Can I just? I'll tell you the final three. Now that you know Josh Allen is three, that's the big. Yeah, Burrow thing is to two. Because I feel like one. Yeah, 
Burroughs is number two. Mahomes is one. I yeah. think Burrow being at two is a little weird to me, personally. I it's, don't know. It's not that weird. I I, I think... No? Okay. That, like, as much as playoff success can be overvalued, I don't know, man. Joe Burrow just has it. <laughs> like, he can... There's a reason he has this, um, like, persona about him, um, with him, like, dominating in the playoffs. Like, there, there, he has the it factor. And Josh Allen, while he may be, like, more skilled, he does have a little bit more of the, um, like, special stuff you see on the field. Joe Burrow just wins. Yeah. Joe Burrow wins games. And that's, in <laughs> the, the end of the day, that's what you, that's what you need. Um, from a quarterback. When I think of Joe Burrow, I think of like those really cool sunglasses. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) If his, if he as a person was put into an item, I'd think of like really cool sunglasses. That's my personal, no, 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 professional opinion. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think, I, I think that's the main difference. It's like, do you, do you value the winning aspect of it? Or do like do you value the ability to when the game is on the line win? Like you cannot overvalue you cannot like you can't undervalue though the fact that um, that Burrow has beaten Mahomes like like Burrow has won more games than Mahomes has in their head to heads. Like that shows the ability he has to just win. The clutch factor is like an important aspect in that. But in terms of pure quarterback skill, like I still had Josh Allen at two. I do think it's a close discussion, but I think Josh Allen yep. provides more to like if you switch teams, I I do think Josh Allen can elevate a little bit more. I just think you need to see more from him in clutch situations, which is why um I'm not mad about you putting Burrow in. Josh there. Allen is such a game breaker. Like that's the thing. When I when I think of a guy, when I think of Mahomes and I think of Josh Allen, I put them on their own pedestal, I think. Like maybe that's just me just doing that, and maybe it's because of that I have a hard time seeing putting Joe Burrow in the same conversation. But I I don't know, man. Josh Allen's a number two for me. I There's at times when I watch Josh Allen, and I feel like he almost has a case to de- dethrone Mahomes. Because he is just so... That's, he is like... That's that's a bit he much. He is... What did you say? That's a bit much. Mahomes is okay. in a tier... Well, Mahomes is in a tier by himself. Yeah, I just... I think it's so incredible how he can have. He has such an incredible arm arm talent, and just and he can go from throwing like however many yards to the next play running over a linebacker. There is something about that play style that I just love. You know what I mean? It's flashy. It's awesome. I love to watch it. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. I don't. I, don't, I, don't, I have a I hard time putting him above Burrow. I don't, know, si- I don't know, Simon. Uh, you say that, but then you rank Lamar lower. Like it's. I think Lamar, <laughs> Lamar has Lamar has more of what you just described than Josh Allen does. Except instead of trucking a linebacker, he's juking a linebacker. Mm, trucking linebackers is cooler. Okay. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure and we don't even need to talk about Mahomes at one because Mahomes. No, Mahomes. we don't. We don't. It's not. And Mahomes. we're at forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's end it there. Yep. We're good. There are not many times in any sport that I can think of where. Other than, like, I can compare it to when Gretzky was traded. Where somebody who has an incredible season, people are calling it the greatest season in their sport of all time, and then he's on the trade block? You don't see that very often. That's not something that is very... It's not a common thing. But we're seeing that in the MLB right now with Shohei Otani. 
where there's rumors all over the place because of the fact that the Angels aren't really in contention and aren't really anywhere close, whether we'll see Shohei Otani potentially move on to a different team. So I'm definitely interested to see what you have to say about this, Caleb, obviously, is one of the teams that he's rumored to be going to is your Mariners. What do you think on Shohei potentially moving on to a contender? I think it's definitely... For for the player, it's something you'd like to see. It's it's a um, it's kind of it's how it's it's really awful how much the Angels have squandered squandered the talent they've had, because before Shohei and they still obviously have Mike Trout, like they have the, yeah. the two best players in baseball, and they can't get anything done with it. And that that's just I mean, like the most think about before Shohei was in the league. Who would you say was the best player in those years? It was Mike Trout. Mike Mike Trout. Right? Like, that's the thing. And then they had the next guy as well. They had the best player, arguably, of the 2010s. Then they went, screw it, let's have the best player of the 2020s as well. And they've done nothing with it. Yeah, I don't even... I'm, I am i don't know MLB stats off the off the top of my head, but, like, I haven't... The Angels have not been in the playoffs for a long time. They before. haven't won a playoff game, I don't believe, since 2014 or 2015. It's one of the two. Yeah, 2015. Eight, se- eight seasons. Yeah. Um, which have, is that... bonkers. It is. It's insane. And I think that's why they're starting to trade Otani. And I almost think, like, it depends what they get back. Because if you get, like, a haul, like, like something I compared to, like, a Herschel Walker trade in football to where, or even, like, in modern-day terms, like, the Russ trade. <clears throat> but obviously at a higher level, just in terms of the mm, player that's being traded. I... Um, it's like it's just so tough, you know. It's how do you move a guy like that, right? Like nothing, nothing is ever going to be enough. Obviously, baseball is different than other sports. It takes a team to win, and obviously, we could talk. I feel like that's half the conversation here, right? There's a reason they're not winning despite having Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. But it's just like, God, why? You know what I mean? Like, there's absolute. You could get a hundred first round picks, and you'd still have me going like, none of those guys are going to be Shohei. None of them. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way that you can possibly hit that marker to truly make it worth it. But that's the situation you're in when you're the Angels. You just can't build a good enough team, no matter what you try, to win around your two superstars. And it sucks. (laughs) It really is just the worst situation. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, mean, as a a Mariners fan, I'm not too upset that the Angels aren't doing good. But... Yeah. No, it's definitely like it's a shame more for the players than anything just to see their talent being wasted. Like how could like you haven't seen Mike Trout in the playoffs as much as you should. Like and you haven't seen Shohei in the playoffs at all, right? Like that's just so yeah. disappointing. And I think and I feel like that's where the trade rumors are coming from. I don't even know if it'll actually happen. I feel like it's just it just feels like such a I, as a as a neutral fan, if you're not an Angels fan, you almost feel a little bit of relief just for the player, right? Like, yeah. just to be like, yeah, oh, I finally, agree. like you're gonna see, you're gonna see him. It feels like in success. hockey terms, McDavid leaving the Oilers, if that ever happened. Oh, and it's the same. Like, well, it's because McDavid and Drysaddle on the Oilers are the same. It's the same situation as Otani and Trout on. It's the, definitely the similar. The only it's very they similar. actually were able to meet the conference because it's two different sports, right? Like. In, a, in baseball, you have usually about four or five starting pitchers, like a starting rotation, and then you have nine players through the lineup. And even though Otani is the first guy in your line, lineup and the first guy in your pitching rotation, you still have 
four more guys in that starting rotation and eight more guys in that lineup, obviously I'm disvaluing Trout when I say this, but you have so many more players that just matter so much more. It's not like people are getting different amounts of ice time or field time or what have you. You're, you're going to still struggle, and that's what sucks because we're just seeing these incredible players not get anywhere because they're playing with basically bags of pucks. Yeah, and that's what's that's what's really rough to see. It's and 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 it's it's really interesting to see, like in, in sport in general, how this has become a trend because you can bring up McDavid and Drysaddle, and I know again I'll, I'll bring up an example in a sport I know literally nothing about, but um, going into the World Cup and seeing Messi and and Mbappe um, go and playing Messi. against each other, playing against each other in um, the like Argentina France final, um, and then realizing that they're both on PSG. Like that to have both of those players and not be able to not be just like wrecking the league with it shows how much of a team sport it really is. Those are oh, the yeah. teams that win you. I already know we're gonna be absolutely burned to a crisp by any soccer fan who just heard you say Messi. But <laughs> I heard I said Messi. I said Messi. No, you did not. Messi and <laughs> Oh my god, I said messy. I said messy. I think I think that's on your end. Come on. Oh, you, I, that's why I said messy afterwards, because I just started no, shaking no, no. my head in the small I, I amount know, of European, I know who, European in me. Come on, I know, <laughs> I, I know enough soccer to know messy. Like, okay. Messy and... I want to just, like, wipe the slate clean. We don't talk a lot about soccer here. We do not need to start a war. <laughs> I'll make I'll make a, I'll like ex- if I really did mess it up that 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 badly I'll extend it I'll extend an olive branch by calling it football for the rest of the, the episode. <laughs> that that'll be that'll be my that'll be that'll be the that'll be the meat in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, okay, we can end this off by just quickly the biggest thing that's been thrown around, and I follow a couple of guys who are uh, Yankees fans on Twitter, so I've seen plenty of this. Trust me. What did you think? What do you think of when you think of an Otani Yankees pair up? I hate it Ohtani so much. It makes me want to cry. So do I. But I want to hear your opinion on it too. Okay. Because <laughs> as a Blue so, Jays fan, I can rant to the stars about how much I hate the Yankees, but I want to hear yours. This is why I hate baseball. I mean, I like there's other reasons. I don't think it's the most exciting game. Um, I think they play too many okay. games. Don't, don't I, burn every I, I'll, 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 I'll go. I'll, yeah, I won't. Caleb, you're burning bridges. a lot of bridges in this. I'm burning <laughs> a lot of bridges in this segment. Uh, baseball, baseball is still baseball. Any baseball fans out there? It's still, it's still, it's still cool. Um, like I watched the playoffs last year. Like that Seattle, Seattle, Houston playoff series um, was awesome. Um, like that, yeah. like like watching that in a vacuum, so cool. But at the same time, like. They, they can't play 162 games. But and that's another thing. Um, I'm losing my train of thought. But at the same time, <laughs> another one of the things I don't like about baseball is the lack of a salary cap because you have teams yeah. like the Yankees that can literally buy their way to... And, we, and, we, and that's the thing in soccer as well, I'm pretty sure. Like, in it's football? just the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in football. <laughs> And it's also like, uh, obviously, Caleb, I don't know how much you know about F1, but that's a really, really big thing in F1 where, like, the richest team wins, where you saw Mercedes win five years in a row off of Lewis Hamilton. And obviously, Lewis, again, I'm going to piss off F1 fans. We're burning every bridge today. But, like, Lewis Hamilton, say what have you about him. He's arguably the greatest racer of all time. 
But was he winning because of how good the car was or because of how good he was? Like, it's, it's, with that one, you can go down that road. You could fight with me about that one because I'm on the how good the car was argument side of that one one. But anyway, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Yeah, salary cap. I, I, salary cap. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Get no, a salary I, I cap. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Just because, um, just do it. Because we, we talked about, like, because we, we don't talk about baseball a ton, but the last baseball thing we did talk about was the A's moving. And that's the other, that's the flip side of the issue, right? Yeah. Like, can you, can you, like, obviously it's never going to happen because Otani want, would want to play for a contender and the A's are the absolute opposite of that. They are terrible. But imagine, <laughs> imagine what a player like Otani going to the A's would do for that franchise. Like, that would reinvigorate the franchise to an insane extent. And that's what I kind of like about having a salary cap is that can happen for any team. Like look that's at the NFL true. and look at the NFL and NHL. Like there is some level of parity into where like, it's not the same teams winning every year. And when they do, it's because of some other reason. It's not because the Patriots paid their way into winning. It's because they had the greatest coach quarterback combination of all time. That's yeah. why they won. That's what I like yeah. about that count. And that's why I think, like, Otani going to the Yankees leaves a little bit of a yucky taste in my mouth. Not just because I don't like the team, just because, like, it reflects a greater issue in baseball um, that I take offense to. Yep. Preach, queen. Damn right. <laughs> All right. Uh, and moving, moving into the NBA, talking about a player who has been the talk of the league across the last couple months for a couple of reasons. Um... One, obviously, for all of the hype that he's gotten, for being the number one pick in the draft, um, for being the type of prospect that people have said we haven't seen since LeBron. and For all, being tall as hell. For being tall as hell. And then also for the reason of getting into an encounter with Britney Spears, which is a little bit on the weird side. Um, but <laughs> but putting, putting that aside... Um, <laughs> Other than yeah, I don't know how much we need to talk on that. Other, I feel like that resolved itself. <laughs> other than his encounter with um, uh, with with famous celebrities, which uh, sounds like a headline you could have pulled from. The let's audience. hope. Let's hope that's. Um, let's hope that starts and ends now in his career. <laughs> yeah, let's hope he has no more encounters with Britney Spears, um, in his career. But putting that to the side, he did do more than that in the last week, and he had his debut in a Spurs uniform over in the Summer League, and he played two games before he was eventually shelved. Um, si Simon, I know you watched a little bit of that. What do you think of Wembenyama's overall performance over the first two games of his, like, I guess, NBA career? Not not fully. Well, I have a bit of a bone. Yeah, I, I have a bit of a bone to pick with him because, like, he knew when I was watching, man. He knew. He knew. He knew what I said about him in that first week of this podcast. He knew. Because you know what he did? I watched that first week, and he shit the bed. And he didn't show up for me. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to watch the second game. I don't care. He's not He's not there yet. And then he went off. He was like, you know what? He's not watching anymore, and I know it. So you know what? Screw you, Wembanyama. I know you're watching. I know. <laughs> I know you're watching. Look me in the fucking eyes. I didn't swear. Look me in the eyes. <laughs> you better show up next time I watch. But other than that, yeah, it was okay, game. Yeah, I think you just have you have a lot of responsibility now for oh yeah the career of the career of one of the brightest young stars that this league could potentially ever see. It's all on you. 
He cares. He knows. Yeah. Oh, he definitely does. Yeah. But, okay, we can... All jokes aside, we can get into the game. <laughs> and, uh, I... Like you said, I watched the first game. I... Overall, I could see it. Like, I could see... And I we spoke a bit before, the pod, before this segment, just on what I kind of saw and all that. I saw everything that I kind of expected. It just looked like he had the jitters. Like, that. that's what really stuck out to me. It just looked like a guy who needed to adjust to the game. Obviously, like, he... I saw the rebounding. I saw the defense. Like, he had a ton of blocks, a ton of rebounds. He even looked like he was doing a great job passing, getting tons of assists. He just couldn't put it in the net. Like, he went 2 for 13. Mm, not great. Like, obviously, he did pretty good from the... The free throw line, don't need to worry about that. But he just seemed like he couldn't really get it in the hoop. He tried from everywhere. He was taking threes. He was shooting in the paint. Just couldn't get it. His first shot was even a missed layup. Like, it was... He just looked like the kind of guy who needed a bit of time to adjust. And I think we kind of saw that. The second game, Monkey was off the back. You already had your first game. Didn't go the best. What's the worst that can happen? Went out there, put up 27 points. I feel like that's pretty normal. I don't think anybody, after this summer, he obviously only played two games. I don't think anybody is, after these two games, going, he's a bust. And if you are, you're dumb. Because <laughs> he's not. I think that he, and I did mention this to Caleb as well, in the first game, one of the things I did notice is it did look like he was getting kind of pushed around, which I kind of had a feeling might happen because he's not the biggest guy. Obviously not height-wise, I mean weight. He's just, I feel like you need to put a bit more meat on your bones. I mentioned that in the first week. Like, he just doesn't look big enough. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't... Like, you go in the paint against a guy who's, like, purely paint on... Like, I feel like Joel Embiid is going to eat this man alive. Maybe that's just me being scared for him. I feel like a guy like Joel Embiid is going to just kick his ass. And I... You know, I don't know I don't know if you feel differently, Caleb. But that's just... I, I have a hard time seeing this guy be... Until he puts on a bit more weight. It's the opposite of... Zion Williamson, <laughs> until he puts on a bit more weight, I think he's going to struggle defensively against some of those elite centers. Yeah, it's definitely something that you can have a concern about, especially like with the clip going around of him getting him getting dunked on, which you wouldn't assume for oh. a seven foot, whatever. Guy. Damn near fell out of my chair. Yeah, like it, <laughs> it, that. Seeing that happen, like the, those concerns definitely come to the forefront. Um, but then, obviously, like uh, we that this is again something we talked about before. Um, the podcast, but Webinyama himself didn't seem concerned about his lack of weight or his lack of physicality. In fact, saying no. that European. In fact, yeah, he he replied specifically to our podcast right after we put it up that <laughs> that uh, that he didn't need to put on weight. Like I said, he's watching. He I know he is. He is, and he and he responded. You heard me. He's, he's responding. You heard me. He's responding directly to you by saying like the NBA is less oh, physical yeah. than European basketball, and I think. Oh, I think yeah. it's an interesting contrast with the other quote that he had after his t- after his first game when he really struggled. Um, the quote that went around everywhere was him just saying, I really didn't know what I was doing, which, like, gets blown out of proportion, yeah. which is another thing, like, I'm down well, to later in the segment. I just but, think I just think that's a that's a 19-year-old learning the game in oh, a different it, it way, is. right? Cause it is. And I'll, I'll maybe whether, get... you agree or, whether you agree or not that the European game is more physical, that's up in the air, whether, where you're belief is on that i'm i don't really have an opinion on that i haven't really watched much european basketball so i don't know but um 
I, I th obviously it's still different. It's still two different games, and it's going to take a bit of adjusting. I feel like we even saw that. Uh, you know, I don't remember enough about early Dodgish to really speak on that. I do remember. No, that was Trey Young. Never mind. Talking out of my ass. But uh, anyway, I think it will take an adjusting period for him to become truly elite. I think that adjusting period is going to be ten games. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a whole season. I think he'll be. I think he's still a shoe in for rookie of the year. I think he has all the talent in the world. My only fear is that he's too skinny, and I hope he proves me wrong. Yeah, and I think I think it's interesting because. I think the one point I'd have against you there, Simon, is just looking at his first few games, at least from um, from from Webb and Yama's perspective. Again, I didn't watch as much as you did because um, I've only I only really saw like a few clips of it. But um, like just looking at it from Webb and Yama's perspective, in terms of his concerns with how he played, it was less about the physicality of it and more about the conditioning. Like his issue was that. Um, the fast pace of the game was what was dragging him down, yeah. but he wasn't able to keep well, up and he needed to work on his conditioning. Like, I feel like that's an interesting counterpoint. Like, is it is it the physical part that like he needs to put on weight that he's struggling with? Or is it just that he's not adjusted to the fast pace of um, NBA basketball? I, the reason, and you know what? I, I, like I said, I didn't watch game two, so I'm now reading about it just to kind of get myself caught up. I'm now, I want to go back on something I said because reading this gives me a bit more comfort. Because the what I'm reading about... Because obviously I have an article. I sent you the same article. And it has both games, an analysis of both games. Just as a quick reminder, because obviously it's been a week. And in the first article, in the first game, it repeats exactly what I said. Where it was, he had difficulty posting up and had the ball stripped away from him multiple times when backing into the paint. He just struggled through contact and against physicality. And that's kind of why I was worried. But in the second game, obviously... It talks more about how you, he created space with his handles in the post, which is something that obviously has been talked about as he dribbles like he's a point guard, and he used his height to his advantage and often would get his own rebound. Like That's the type of stuff I want to hear. Because the issue I had in the first game is while a guy like him, when you think when I was thinking of Wimbanyama, he kept trying to dominate with his size, which was my biggest issue because obviously when you're going to do that, you have to be big. You have to be heavy. You have to be able to push guys around, and he wasn't showing me that. Obviously, when I'm talking big, I'm not talking height. I want to make that clear. I'm talking about somebody. I want, I'm talking about strength. I'm talking about Shaquille O'Neal backing him down in the post. Wembanyama is not that, and it looked like he was trying to be, and that's where the issue in, lies for me. Hearing that he was able to use his abilities and skill in the paint like successfully makes me feel a bit more comfortable, but I still feel like you can only get so far with that, especially against the elite defenders in the league. I feel like you have to have that strength as well to push those defenders around. Maybe I'm, maybe I hope he proves me wrong. I, I want to make it clear. I want this guy to succeed unless he keeps making me look dumb on the podcast. Then I want him to fail. But otherwise, I want him to succeed because he is an awesome player to watch. Yeah. Like, he was, even though he struggled in that first game, I was kind of just in awe. I could tell I was watching something incredible about to happen you know what i mean yeah like you could really feel it it was like in the atmosphere yeah and i do think that it is a important to frame this whole conversation in like in context just around the hype that he's gotten um and i think it's different for someone like Wembenyama versus someone like lebron in terms of how they're coming up whereas Wembenyama, like the 
the focus with the social media and like you're getting constant updates of how he's doing moment by moment um like he doesn't have time yeah. to grow um in this kind of climate. he gets dunked on once and it's all over the internet Everybody yeah seen it. and and like there's so many like because i follow a lot of different sports things, like Ble- bleacher report on um, sports illustrated oh, yeah. like all of these different and every single one is just a picture of Wembenyama with the quote honestly i didn't know what i was doing like there is like that is such a like highlightable quote that can just go everywhere and now it makes it seem like he used like a complete bust right out of the gate like that is just so like i i don't know it doesn't give the young star a chance to grow and the fact like i i even think if he did a similar or even worse performance in the second second summer league game like why do we care why do we worry because like yeah he's a, well, ni- I, he's a 19 year old kid playing in summer basketball it's a men's doesn't game. really matter it's a oh yeah it's a men's game like he will grow as he continues to go into the league and that's how it is like i i we've talked about this before with um with bedard i think this was something that i brought up definitely is that the rookie year almost can be taken with a grain of salt because there's so many rookies that struggle because of the fact that it's just there's such a physical difference between a 19 year old and a 25 or 30 year old that it's just so hard to compete in a league like that that even just like the difference between 19 and 20 or 18 and 19 or what have you is so huge and it's just it's it's a different league almost right like the second you can go out there and really feel like you can physically match up to the guys you're playing against is the day that you will start playing well and or start playing to that level and whether Wembenyama obviously maybe it'll take a year I'm saying like I feel like my expectations for him are not necessarily that high, but I also don't feel like if even if he doesn't match that in the first year, I wouldn't be calling him a bust. Yeah. I think he's the type of player that will grow with time. Yes, I like, and I think, I'm excited for the ride. I completely agree, and I think that um, that's so important to have in perspective. And just like I think of it as a comparison, like to football, because that's what I do a lot, obviously. But um, yeah. just thinking about how these different sports draft you can group the nba and the nhl in the same category to where if their player yep. is good enough they will draft them at 18 19 and but it the nfl they go through an entire four years of college there's a reason and ml and if you want to look at it in the mlb most players spend multiple years in the minors mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's true like there's there's t- needs to be time for development because these are still basically kids like when when yeah. yama is not that much older than me like that that's what's insane he's to me. not no he's born we're we are born in the same year as Wimbanyama, which is insane um and that's why yeah. like when you look at the nfl draft every single first round pick if you're not on the starting lineup that's a disappointment but it needs to be looked at differently in the nba if Wimbanyama, like I, I know it's obviously different because of the hype but even him being in like the starting spurs lineup day one like like that's that's just take the hype away from it for a second. It's a nineteen year old kid. It's a nineteen year old kid in an NBA starting lineup, and of course he will be. But yeah. like that's still yeah. <laughs> an accomplishment in and of itself. And you need to let the kid have time to grow because that's yeah. what it's really all about. And that's what I think. Like we can we can make like, all the jokes we want about him, like yada yada yada, right? But like I think, like completely hitting it on the nail, he'll need time. I think if you expect. 20 points per game from in this first year, I have a hard time agreeing with you just because that's so... That's such a high bar. You know what I mean? Like, you even look at guys like... I always... When I look at, like, in the NBA, I look at, like, guys like... My biggest example, Kobe. I'm a Lakers fan. It's the first thing I go to. Do you know how... Caleb, 
You don't watch basketball as much, so you won't know this number. Do you know how many points per game Kobe averaged in his first year? Probably not a ton. Take a guess. Mm. I'm gonna say like or, like around like like maybe ten points per game. That is almost exactly. I believe it's nine. Do you know how many points he had in his first game? That's a. I have Take no clue. I have no clue. Just shot in the dark. What do you think a prospect like Kobe Bryant and what he became had in his first game? Judging by how you're framing this, I'm going to say not a lot. I'm going to say like five. He had zero. Oh, yeah. Now all of a sudden, uh, when Manyama hitting double digits rebounds and six blocks starts to sound pretty good, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> like, like it's that's the thing. I feel like there's so many people already calling him a bust, and it's like, it's so... Give him time. Like, obviously, LeBron was different. LeBron came into the league six foot eight, 250 pounds of just pure muscle. <laughs> he came He came at 18 into the league with a 25-year-old body. That's different. Wenbanyama is... He is skin and bones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have mercy. <laughs> like, give him time. You know what I mean? He has the body. Even though he's seven foot four or seven foot five. he has the body of a 19-year-old. It'll take time. Like, the day that he has the body of all, that that can compete with all these guys, he will kick ass. And the day that comes, I will be eating popcorn and enjoying the hell out of it. And you will be too. But calling him a bust this early is just not right. Yeah, it definitely isn't. And it's like, I, I completely agree with the point you're saying about LeBron. And I don't know, the, the comparisons to LeBron just do women yum is such a disservice because that's such a high bar. LeBron is the best. It's, it's also like... LeBron is legitimately the best prospect ever because when he was 17 and 18, he looked like he was 25. Yeah. He looked like he was going to come into the league and dominate because he was going to. Like, mm. you have to understand, when he was in, not in college, when he was in high school, he looked like an NBA player because he basically was. Right? Yeah. Like, that dude was 250 pounds in grade 12. And it was muscle. Like, that's the difference, right? Like, that's the biggest difference between when I look at Le- a prospect like LeBron and a prospect like Wembanyama. LeBron was immediately built for the NBA. Wembanyama, I have a hard... I th- still think he will succeed, like, early. I still think he'll be a great prospect, and I, and I still think he definitely has the potential to meet, like, be an all-time great. I just think it's going to take a bit longer. Yeah, and I think uh, an important thing to add to that LeBron side of the story is, like, you have to remember, LeBron was, like, a legitimately um, NFL potential high school tight end. Oh, yeah. Like, like, yeah. like that guy is... That, Not that even. Guy he was a wide killed. receiver, I'm pretty sure. I think he, he wasn't. even a tight end. Was nope. he? wide receiver. He was a six-foot-eight wide receiver. That's insane. That's oh, insane. Yeah. There was talks when they... Uh, I, be- I don't remember if it was... I believe it was a lockout of some kind. But there was talks of LeBron potentially playing in the NFL during an NBA lockout, I believe, with the yeah. Seahawks. I don't know if you knew that fact. Oh, yeah, no, I saw, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Like, there is, like, <laughs> LeBron was a different monster. You know what I mean? Like, it's, and what I, it, <laughs> I can promise you we won't see Wimbanyama in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, like. Like, it's, it's just, like, LeBron was solid. Like, he was NFL solid. You know what I mean? Like. And that's when Banyama, we're, we're going to have a hard time getting there. LeBron, is, LeBron is like a freak in that way. When Banyama is a freak in a different way, but a, in a way that needs a little bit more refining for the NFL. 
Or for the NBA, sorry, I'm getting yeah. my sports confused now. I just well, I'd also argue take a bit more refining for the NFL. This is true. I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting off the rails now, but I found a quote. Um, I don't know who said this, but I'm reading an article about LeBron's high school football, and apparently once one scout said... I feel like I already to, know the quote you're going to say, actually. Compared him to a taller, slower version of Randy Moss. That is the quote everyone says. Yep, I've heard that one a thousand times. I have never heard that. Because That's insane. Have you not? No, I've oh, never yeah. heard that. Well, think about it. Six foot eight? <laughs> yeah. It's not like he's slow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I guess, I, yeah, I'm seeing the actual, like, the original source of it now, like, the newspaper clipping. Um, yeah, the one, oh, yeah. N- number one football prospect nuts. in Ohio. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. LeBron was that guy. Like, 60 passes I mean, you could. If you want to go down that rabbit hole, we can go down that rabbit hole another time. But, like, LeBron really, really was that guy. He could have played in any sport and dominated. Yeah. Right? Like, put LeBron in bowling for that for his whole career, you would have seen the bowling goat. No more strikes ever. Baseball, I'm sure he'd figure it out. Like, yeah. he just was that type of athlete. LeBron, yeah. like, there is absolutely... I, I feel like we could go on and on about that. And I just, it's just, the overall final thesis, it's just not fair. Like, it's not fair to make that comparison. It's a solid, like, absolute beast of a man <laughs> versus a guy who's the only reason that he's seen as the same kind of prospect as LeBron is because he's 7'5". Yeah, yeah. Like, he has it all. Like, I'm not trying to bring him down by saying that. I'm just saying it's not fair. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. It's it's just not a fair comparison, and I think that's the biggest takeaway to make from the summer league games because it's the only takeaway you really can have from any sort of preseason. It's game. the biggest take from him as a prospect. I feel like we could have said that before the summer league games. Yeah, you probably could. These games, as much as it is an interesting look into what like it's first time seeing him in a Spurs jersey, it's the first time seeing him in NBA action. You still can't draw. You can't. You really can't draw anything from it. It's technically not even his first game. It's a preseason, basically. Oh like yeah, you're like, still playing it... against prospects. Mm-hmm. We still like there's still we still have probably like pretty close to months away from seeing Wembanyama in action, like a month ish, ish. Like you know what I mean? It's just uh, it's it's all too early. Let's we can we'll talk about it when it when it all gets. Moving on to some NHL news and speculation. Diving into a team that's definitely had a lot of turmoil, a lot of shakeups uh, in the offseason, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs. As always, an interesting story. After making it past the first round for the first time um, since I was born, um, the Maple Leafs, while they, while they did have that taste of success, obviously they're wanting a little bit more, especially with the roster that they have. And with a new GM and Brad Tree living, I know Simon's favorite, um, then they're, they've made a couple of shifts and changes to the lineup, and it's it'll be really interesting to see whether that enables them to improve on what they did last year, if they're able to make it past the playoffs, if they're still the same regular season juggernaut. So I'm interested to hear your take on all of the roster retooling that the Leafs have done this year, Simon. It just, uh, it just screams... Like, the last couple years of the Flames. I mean, you already mentioned that I'm not a big fan of Brad Trilliving. And I'm not. I, I don't... I Listen, I love that physical style of hockey as much as anyone else. Like, when I think of, like, 
fun, exciting hockey, I think of that style of hockey. I just have a hard time buying to the fact that that is what it takes to win anymore because I don't think that's true. I think it's such a... We're at the point where the NHL is so much finesse that I just have a hard time seeing a seeing that just succeed on the same level it has in the last dec like the decades of the past, you know, when you could win with teams just full of guys who just beat the crap out of people, you know? Just I don't see that kind of success anymore. I I feel like the Maple Leafs need so like just a completely complete overall to win again in my opinion like their culture as a whole is screwed like it is i i just have a hard time buying into them at all like they the fact they made it past the first round that's their stanley cup you know what i mean and when that's the case for a playoff team for a team that you expect to make the playoffs every single year i feel like that's that's not right you know what i mean there's something wrong with that I think it's going to take a lot more than Domi, Reeves, and Bertuzzi to change that. Okay, yeah, that's that's interesting. And I think it's extra interesting to me because you are echoing a lot of what I've heard from the one Leafs fan that I know. Um, my friend, my good friend Ryan, he... Uh, he has a he is of the same opinion that you kind of need to if you want to win you got to burn everything to the ground um, in Toronto and his big move that he wants to see done is the getting rid of Austin Matthews um, for really yeah um, just because of lack of performance in the playoffs um, which I which I think that's super interesting to me because I think I don't know I feel like Matthews is the last guy you get rid of I know yeah. he hasn't had much success in the playoffs but like out of all the talent you could I feel like you surround Matthews with just a different team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, I just don't... It's I don't blame Matthews. It's Toronto. Toronto's the problem. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I feel like Matthews performs on in the playoffs on any other team. Maybe that's yeah. my hatred of Toronto speaking. It could be. I, I just think... I don't know. I think you have such a good... You still have such a good roster in Toronto. It's such a good opportunity... And the They've cup, had such and a the, good roster for I know, five I know, years. I know, I know, I know, I know. But at the same time, like, what other roster is gonna get it done? Like, you're still gonna have that culture of pressure around the team. And maybe since you've gotten past the first round, when you go into next year, there's a little bit of the monkey off of the back. You know, obviously, you still haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967. But I don't think it matters <laughs> what players are there. Honestly, like, and I think it's just talent that matters. Um, and every player is. It's so you're the opposite then. You think you think you need to, you need to just keep hitting the nail. I do think you need to keep hitting the nail, just because you can break like a Stanley Cup playoff run can break right at any time. Um, it's it's a Not lot. It's, it's it's a lot about circumstance. It's a lot about circumstance, right? Like who thought Florida was going to go all the way? It's circumstance. That's fair. Um, yeah. Like it could happen to the least. I had them as a first round exit. The Leafs also um, have gotten screwed not just because of their roster, but because of the division they play in. They have had to face the Lightning, who are the dynasty of like the last few years, um, obviously tailing off a little bit now. But they've had to face the Lightning in the first round two years in a row. Like They play in a division that makes it almost impossible for them to have any playoff success. Um, they've also, like, like think about this year. They lost to the Panthers, made it to the Stanley Cup Final. They lost to the Lightning the last year, um, made it to the Stanley Cup Final. Like, um, 
it is it is interesting. I do think the Leafs are almost like like Oilers Oilers East in a way, in that way where they just have so much talent. It's just like circumstance mm. does like, eh. The the Oilers I think are a little bit more um, their roster isn't built I, as well. But I yeah I feel like I I agree with you there. I feel like that's a hard comparison to make for me because the only reason that that's even comparable is because of Matthews and McDavid. Yeah, I think so. I I do think I do think it's comparable in terms of how much regular season hype they have, and then going into the playoffs and disappointing. And also, both teams have had the misfortune of losing to the eventual either Stanley Cup champion or um, Stanley Cup runner up in the last couple of years. Like think about the the Oilers had the same thing: lost to the Avalanche, they won the Stanley Cup; lost to the Golden Knights, they won the Stanley Cup. It's like they they had tough matchups. Okay. Yeah. No, I I see what you mean. I. I have a hard time comparing those two teams just because I think I think Toronto is way more talented, like you said. Like, if if you hadn't made that point, I feel like I would have... <laughs> I, I, I would have gone off on you for a bit because I completely disagree with that, but you fixed you fixed it by saying saying that. Just because when I look at those two rosters, I, I look at Edmonton where they have a great top six. Great top six. But it falls off a cliff. You know what I mean? And then you look at the defense, and it's just not there. Other than, you know, Darnell Nurse, which is what have you. Like, it's it's two very different teams to me. I mean, goaltending, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's I, I don't see Toronto being any better this year than they were last year. I see them being a first-round exit again, I feel like. No, but Simon, like, they, I don't think they it's weren't enough. a first-round exit. Give them credit at least. Yeah, but they were the last ten, uh, nine other years. <laughs> no, but you have to give them credit. They won around. They won around. Okay. Okay. Um, do it again. I do think. I do think that this year, the monkey is off the back even more so than it would be in the second round last year. Because I made this prediction. I my dad was the only one to hear it, so I can't really have anybody back it up. But I did make the prediction. Or everybody's so high on the Leafs. Like I again referring to my friend Ryan for he. He was saying, as soon as we make it past the first round, we're going to the Stanley Cup. Because I, his theory was that as soon as you get the monkey off your back, like then it's just like years of the last yeah, the, I don't the, the last twenty years of history is off. And I think I was like, no, I don't think that's true because I think um, I think then, it's then, rather then they, the opposite. Yeah, I do think I think so too. I think then they start to buy their own hype, and I think that that's what dragged them down. Like you go into the first couple of games Can against I... Florida thinking like, oh, as somebody who has played hockey and played a lot of playoff games, I can tell you that, especially when you're on a team that you are looking, like you don't see your, like, because when you're on the type of team that feels like you're on the bubble, you know what I mean? You're like a mediocre team and you know it. Like, you know you're not going to do anything in the playoffs and then you win the first round. All of a sudden you start to go like, okay, okay, we can go the whole way. We can go the whole way. And then you get swept in the second round. Because that's just how it is. You start to, you don't, the second you beat, Stop being the underdog in your own head is the is the second you lose. Yeah, in so on so many occasions. I do think because yes. that's what I mean when it's that's like just, they, buy, they buy their own hype. Um, yeah, yeah, and and I think that that was it for Toronto to where there was that. That's why the whole like we want Florida thing. That's that was their downfall. Um, thinking yeah. that they'd have an easy second round opponent in Florida and that they'd walk cruise to the Cup Finals. I, I think they can't go into it with that same perspective, but I also think it does alleviate a lot of the pressure. I think there's a good medium spot there to where, like, the pressure of being on the Leafs and not having made it past the first round in so long can be unbearable. Like, that's why they choked so many leads. 
Um, it's just because that pressure is unbearable. But now I feel like it is a little bit more of the right situation in terms of where they have pressure knowing that they got embarrassed in the second round this year, but also not feeling like, oh my God, it's been 20 years. Um, that's where I think that will be a little bit better for them going so, into the playoffs. if I were to ask you to give a prediction on how far the Leafs, a very, very early prediction, may I might add, how Ooh, far yeah. the Leafs will go next year, what would you, what would you say? It's impossible to say, um, but would I be that like? Would I be that shocked if they made it to like conference finals? Like, no, not not really. Um, it's just the division they play in for me. That's the biggest um, downside to it. Like, yeah. making it to the conference finals. But the, the division Atlantic, doesn't matter as much when it comes to the playoffs. It's yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It matters. It matters more in the playoffs um, because you're playing because the first round matchups are not the same. If you're like a two seed in the Atlantic Division versus a two seed in the Metropolitan, you're not playing the same level of competition. Like you're you're gonna be playing like you're playing the Lightning versus you're playing I don't know playing like the Upstart Devils. Like it's not quite the same. Um, ah yeah, I guess. Um, that's where I'm like that. That's why the Leafs have had such a tough time. I think even more so like two years ago when it's like, oh the Leafs have had such a great season. Oh you're playing the like defend- the, the, the defending Stanley Cup <laughs> champion Lightning. Like two, easily two, one of the best hockey teams ever created. Yeah. You're playing the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Lightning. And they took them to seven yeah. still. Um, True. They took a lot of teams to seven, though, in their run of first-round exits. No, that's fair. That's fair. But at the same time, I think it still says something about the team, the fact that they were able to push the Lightning that far. And then the Lightning still went on to the Stanley Cup. Um, obviously okay, yeah. Up, I, I do... I still, personally... I am the type of guy... Where, cool, you did it once, do it again. Right? Because you can... There's a thousand... I just... You need to prove it to me still. That's the way that I look at a team like this. And when you tell me, look me dead in the eyes and say, I will prove it to you, I will prove it to you by adding Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, and Ryan Reeves. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, Simon. Like, so I, they, they, I don't know. You're... you're that, what do you... You know what I mean, though? This, like is, the, this is the question I was going to ask you, though. So I pulled up... The lines from the Leafs lines in the playoffs. I put I pulled game one versus Florida because that feels like a good bar on where okay. where their roster was last year. Um, yeah. Okay. So so just looking at gains versus losses, who's still on the roster versus who they let go. Um, the big losses they incurred were, um, I think I think you could put it as like Bunting and O'Reilly. Though those are the big ones. And then you yeah, bring. In, I you bring I think losing O'Reilly is gonna, is so huge. Yeah, I just because I love O'Reilly as a player. I think I said this in our NHL free agency thing, but I think he's the type of guy who can fit on any roster and just improve it. Like he is an excellent two way center. Like he's just one of those guys where I think the hole that he leaves on this Maple Leafs roster is not one that can easily be filled, and I think we're gonna see that next year. Okay. I think that. A big reason they made it past the first round is from having a guy like him in that... I believe he was top six. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. But, like, I think having that kind of guy just behind your already incredible center core was so, so huge for that team that I just have a really hard time. That's what I mean when I talk about my issues with the, the additions that they have here. It's just, like, I don't know, man. It's so tough. It's so tough just looking me in the eyes and say, listen, listen, I know we lost O'Reilly, but 
but just give Bertuzzi a chance. You know what I mean? Like that's that's tough to me. You know, like yeah. and Max Domi, he's been underachieving most of his career. Like, it's mm. it's it's you have a hard. It's hard. Well, I guess I. You know what? I might be talking. I just I, don't I think I think the yet. I think the nuance just, that I think the nuance that's missing there though is that you're adding O'Reilly as a center to a team that's already stacked at center with with Matthews and Tavares. What the, like Yeah, Domi but that's and, the like okay. What where did you said you had the lines for the playoffs? Where was yeah. O'Reilly playing? Third line. Third line? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I still I still think O'Reilly is going to that's such a big even if it was a third line center, I don't know. I think it, I think you're gonna because you gotta realize he's gonna go to the Predators and be a first line center. Like yeah, he I, is a first line center. I don't disagree. Like I'm, I think I'm maybe like a little bit less high on O'Reilly as you, but I still think like yeah, like losing him is is huge. But at the same time, I do think that um, adding Domi and Bertuzzi just balances them out like a lot more because you have you've got you've been looking at the lines from game one. You've got. Um, Matthew Nees starting on the first line, Callie Yarncroke starting on the second. Like, it just makes them such more of, like, a much more balanced team, in my opinion. Um, okay. Just in terms yeah, of... Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, with you there. Like, you don't I just have the pressure that... of putting Nees up on the first line anymore. True. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, I get that. I definitely do get that. I just... I don't know. I think they're going to miss O'Reilly when things hit the... When things hit the... <laughs> Shit hits the pan. <laughs> okay, I'm 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 trying to find something that I think would be interesting because I, I do also think you do have to take into consideration like you you think losing O'Reilly will wreck this team. But you do have to consider that the Leafs are still a very, very good team before they got O'Reilly. I know. I know. I'm just saying that but before they got O'Reilly, they weren't they still weren't making the past the first round and then okay. we have seen better Leafs teams than the team we're seeing right now okay so Simon let me give you let me give you a um I know I know regular season Leafs is not the same as playoff Leafs we all know this sure um, yeah. but at the same time I think you are overstating the impact of O'Reilly a little bit um can I get you to okay. pre- predict so this is the Leafs wanted um the trade deadline last year is March 21st the first game they played after that they beat the Devils 3-2 so I to take a win off, but um, what do you think their record was um, after the trade deadline? Can I ask how many games they played? They have played. <laughs> oh god, it's like fifty. Let me make sure I've gotten this right. Because no, I, I don't, about, I don't about, want to rally. It's about. It's afterwards. A, it's about six. It's sixty. Sixty-two. 62, so 20 games. We're, we're asking... Like 20 games left. <sighs> I don't even remember what their record was last year. Like, okay, I don't I'll... know. 12 and 8? Oh, like, oh, no, no. I'm saying, like, I'm saying, like, what do you think... Here, I can, I can figure that out. But what do you think the Leafs were at before O'Reilly got there? Like, how many... Oh, out of, out of, out of sixty, oh out of sixty games, how many do you think they won before O'Reilly got there? <laughs> That's way harder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, I don't know. I don't think they were. I hate this question, by the way. I know. Um. Eh, thirty-five wins. Thirty-five wins. 
Yeah, pretty close. About forty. They're in, okay. like, they're, I was. Uh, the funny thing is, I I just didn't feel confident enough to throw the throw them a bone with the forty wins by the trade deadline. But okay. Yeah. No. But forty. They they were pretty like, they were at thirty nine technically, but like. 40 win like that's that that's my point okay. is it's still such a good team before O'Reilly got there like a 40 yep. win team I just, trade deadline is insane okay yeah i i just have a heart i i definitely see what you mean there are definitely a more deep team there's definitely no argument on that that is the truth that is just a fact i i just love Ryan O'Reilly so much as a player that i think he's just going to be missed on a team and I feel like you cannot undersell the value of a player like him. And I just, I, I don't, I don't feel like I be- necessarily believe in the Brad Trilliving style of building a team anymore. I don't think it works in this league. And I think if he proves me wrong and they go far, then I was wrong, and I have no issue. I have no issue being wrong on this one. It's just from what we've seen from this style of teams and what we've seen in the past with the Leafs, I have a hard time. You know, I have a hard time giving them the same praise that you're giving. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm more hesitant. I am trying to be devil's advocate a little bit here um, because I, I am in line with that. Like I don't think the way that he's building a team works, and I think there are better ways you can do it. And I do like Dubas's approach overall a little bit better. I just do think that... Um, the moves Tree Living has made in a vacuum here are still solid. I think, for okay. me, for me, it's more of a lateral move than anything. You're giving up the the overall better player in O'Reilly to acquire a greater amount of depth and um, balance for your roster. I think it's about a. I think it's about a wash. Hi, how's it going? It is very very late and i just finished editing and realized that me and caleb forgot to record an outro so i'm back you get super tired simon once again for the first time since episode one when we also forgot to record an outro so hopefully we do not make this an every five episodes thing because it is not fun doing this very late i will not say the exact time but it is very very late so once again thank you so much for watching and uh Make sure to check out all our other stuff. Check us out on Instagram, TikTok. When this comes out, we might have a Twitter. I haven't decided whether we're going to have a Twitter, but we might have a Twitter. So check out the Twitter if we have a Twitter. Yeah. Other than that, thank you so much for watching. Like I said, and uh, we'll see you around. Check out our shorts. They're funny.